0: Good morning ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the RR Show, the best show on the internet coming at you hot and heavy with episode 150. This is our discord special for our 150th, which is stories suggested by the guys on our discord. If you're not on our discord, why the hell not? Get over there. This is a spicy one, so grab your tea, your popcorn, and let's get settled in. Because our first one, as suggested by EpicDrew16, posted by IllTree501 on today, I fucked up. Is today I fucked up by eating ramen before inviting a guy over?
1: Tomorrow, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. with fearless tour taylor's version with four additional acoustic songs streaming tomorrow only on disney plus
0: i have a pretty high spice tolerance and frequently eat the korean fire noodles sometimes with extra korean chili flakes added to make it super spicy i had a bowl today before inviting a guy i've been casually seeing he comes over and we get all excited he loves oral so i start sucking and he's moaning so i'm thinking he's into it right well his moaning gets louder and he starts pushing on my head so i assume that means keep going and go harder so i do that finally he yells "fuck!" and pushes me away he starts screaming at me that his dick is burning, and what the fuck did I do to it? I was really confused while he went to the bathroom to go see what was going on. And my eyes see the opened ramen pack in the kitchen trash bin. And I realized the spice must still have been on my mouth and probably burned him. He comes out cursing, asking what the fuck is wrong with me. I apologized and explained I didn't realize my eating ramen could hurt him. He left, and I'm a little disappointed. But also now I'm hungry again and eating another bowl of Korean fire noodles with extra chili flakes. What the hell? I wouldn't have left. I would have just poured some milk on it. Our next one was suggested by Aurora Clark, and was posted by Expert Lab 1181. It was posted to Am I the Arsehole, and I have only just noticed the graphic for the O in that. Am I the Arsehole for being passive-aggressive towards my future sister-in-law? Backstory. I, 26 female, am engaged to my 31 male fiancé. His sister, 25 female, fucking hates me. I've tried to hang out with her, include her in things, etc. But she always treats me like an outsider. When COVID-19 first hit, I was living with my future in-laws, family issues. I decided to go visit my mother and take my son, 5 male, with me for Easter. My phone exploded with messages from my future sister-in-law saying that I was putting her parents' health in danger by going over there, blah, blah, blah. But she was having her dad do her grocery shopping for her because she was afraid to leave the house. In 2020 at Christmas, we went to visit fiancé's parents with our daughter, who is a preemie. Future sister-in-law brought her son, even though he'd had a fever the night before. Turns out, he had RSV, which was transmitted to my daughter and developed into full-blown pneumonia. My daughter now has to use an inhaler because she has lung damage. Fast forward to 2022. We're invited to future sister-in-law's wedding. As dinner started, she had us thrown out in front of their whole family because she didn't like what I was wearing. I don't do dresses, so I had on some dress pants and a cute top. Currently, whenever my kids spend time with my future in-laws, they end up getting sick because my future sister-in-law has been over with her son. My future mother-in-law refuses to believe that it has anything to do with her daughter and acts like future sister-in-law does no wrong. This past week, my daughter turned one. My fiancé made a happy birthday post and I commented along the lines of, Sorry, you keep getting sick. Now my future in-laws are yelling at me and saying I need to just get over it. Am I the arsehole for posting a passive-aggressive comment? I don't know. I live in a basement. My sense of right and wrong is severely warped. However, you guys should definitely jump on Discord and discuss, politely, whether you think they are the arsehole or not. This story is from Sebas 15091 Today I fucked up by confusing, restart and reset. obligatory this didn't happen today it happened very early yesterday morning i was playing video games on my computer and watching youtube at the same time but at one point i started having connection issues so i figured i'd turn the modem off and turn it back on again since that usually fixes it i did that and it kind of worked but about 30 minutes later the intermittent crashes came back at that point i figured "Ah, maybe restarting the modem from the online portal didn't do the trick Let me go and physically unplug it from the wall. This is where the fuck-up happened. I was sleep-deprived and not thinking clearly and our modem is in a very hard-to-access corner of the kitchen, hidden behind a still filing cabinet. I could not locate the power cord. Then I saw a tiny little black button with the word RESET written above it on the side of the modem. My tired brain thought, Reset. Restart. Same difference, right? Wrong. I press the button and I see a 15-second countdown appear on the little display built into the modem. How that didn't make me realize I was messing up big time is beyond me, so I held the button, thinking I was just gonna restart the modem. Once the countdown ran out, I released the button, only to be greeted with a message that said, visit bell.ca slash activation to activate your equipment. That is when I finally realized how much I messed up. I ended up having to call my ISP tech support line at 3.45 in the morning and explain to them that I tinkered with something I shouldn't have and accidentally performed the factory reset on the cable modem. They were able to remote into the modem and set it up again for me. Thank God. Moral of the story, if you don't know what the button does, don't touch it. Ah, it's not too bad, I fuck up on that scale multiple times a day. Our next story was posted by Ancient Educator 76. Having a second job won't cut it with me. You better fix that pronto. You got it, dude. This pains me to write. I keep going back and forth as to which of my sentences I should start with the former or this one. Tears are rolling down this old teacher's face. A rarity. I've had a fairly rough teaching career. In my 16 years of contracted service, I've spent five of those in the school I've been at this year. This is a record, possibly in part due to my eventual kick assidness at teaching algebra, part from learning when to shut up, always, part learning that the students and my care are all that matters, but mostly due to my great rapport, relationship with the principal. He gets my quirkiness. Knows I'm a great teacher, so he doesn't need to tell me what he has to others, for the most part, and he's as hands-off as an amazing principal can be. I finally hit my groove in education when my principal, we'll call him Dr. J, just got his doctorate and now is moving onward and upward. Shit, I'm not sure if this is just a school thing, but he's doing his farewell tour while introducing us all to the new principal. We'll call him. Not the Mama Anyone from the 90s who also has suffered from the new boss blues knows my pain and gets this reference. During the tour, Dr. J tells Not the Mama about me, how I'm the hardest, smartest worker and teacher, how I have a great relationship with my students, how they stop by the school to see me years after. He also mentioned in his live recommendation that I have a second job working fast food. Not the mamma instantly winces at this. Right about the same time as everyone's favorite teacher, Miss Why Aren't You Paying Attention to My Ironic T-Shirt, pops out of a sky filled with irregular sized suspenders and stories about someone's relatives that amazingly have no relevance to any person living or dead. I'm pretty sure she said something to distract Dr. J long enough to give Not the Mama the opportunity to turn back to me like a dad threatening his children into being while he tries to convince his first date since his wife left him that he's a great dad. He manages to quickly mutter under his breath what confirmed every fear I had about the new boss. Having a second job won't cut it with me, so you better fix that. Pronto. Reverse Jerry Maguire You lost me at Pronto. You had me at hell no. I despise this person so much in such a short time that it wasn't even an afterthought that, despite my second job being minimum wage and despite my current job just issuing me a longevity bonus literally yesterday, I would press the biggest, most important, malicious compliance button of my life and see how the fuck it goes. Pronto means soon, so that afternoon I put in my notice that I won't be coming back. Hey, he wants me to only have one job, right? Voila! That's French for check this shit out. Your man OP started going back on school spring. Two interviews set up for tomorrow via Zoom. Oh, and I'm pretty sure there'll be a juicy update because I just received four missed calls from Dr. J. And I'm going to check my email. As requested by Dr. J, I can't believe I'm leaving. Pretty sure he can't either. I read Dr. J's emails. It was shorter than the text, but both basically said he needs to meet with me to find out why I'm suddenly out. I can tell based on his wording that he suspects is the new boss, but he's never been accused of explicitly saying anything by email. I didn't give any reason for making the decision and he begged me not to send anything officially to district until we talk. As we're texting back and forth right now, yes, at midnight, he asks me how I felt about Desert Valley. The district he's going to be the director of pancakes or whatever at. I'm looking into it right now, but I'll sleep on it. Okay, nothing ironclad now, but three schools need an academic advisor for math in Desert Valley. He says I'm a shoe in. Pay scale looks promisingly better too. Update confirmed. Interviewing with two of the three schools for a job that pays me what I'm worth. Fingers crossed. On an unrelated note it appears that i have people that either really like or really can't stand my writing can't please everybody not gonna try but thanks for the input what i have noticed is that those who enjoyed it will give examples of what they liked you know claims reasoning and evidence very few people who claim i'm terrible give me specifics i would like to know how i can improve i swear it's not just to call out the haters and call them uncreative copy pasta whores our next story is in from r slash tales from tech support, posted by he writes. Delete everything you have ever built for us.
1: Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. Thank you and stay spooky.
0: I'm not in tech support. In fact, none of my job description ever included anything remotely resembling tech support. Yet, life finds a way. As a long-time night shift worker who often hanged out with the local IT folks and demonstrated tier 1 support skills, looking up error messages and even tier 2 willingness and ability to learn and improve, I was promoted to an honorary tech support role. It was a win-win, or win-lose, scenario for the guys as they could chill at home while on call. In the meantime, I resolved low-level on-site issues and had something interesting, or at least different, to do in addition to my boring desk jockey job. The following story is not related to any of the above. Plugging VGA cables into desk stations to fix broken computers is not a story, it's business as usual. A few companies later, when the buzzword, business intelligence, data analysis, data driven decisions, etc. started to pop up on the corporate bullshit bingo, I was already involved in these things at my current workplace. As usual, my job description had nothing to do with it. I had to manually create a lot of reports, work with a lot of data. I'm as lazy as it comes, if I have to do the same task twice, I'm going to spend an unreasonable time trying to automate it. The result of my laziness was a Power BI dashboard hosted on SharePoint. Behind the scenes and the shiny charts, there was a giant clusterfuck, as I had to solve issues with the tools I had access to. Python calling SAP GUI scripts to run custom queries, then reading and transforming the data from the resulting exported Excel files just to spit it out again as a new and improved TM spreadsheet, PowerShell to manage SharePoint, then some auto-hotkey and auto-automate to maximize the chaos. It had a lot of moving parts, I tried to do way too much, but had classes. It was also a horrible mess. But I tried to keep it as organized as possible. Code on GitHub in a private repo, regular and conventional commits, issue tracking, well, written documentation for everything, all the other best practices. My team's standard reporting tasks, which were taking usually an entire week at the end of the month, condensed down to a few hours, which in theory could have been less if I had trusted myself, but I always QA'd the final result before releasing it for use. So, in addition to my standard role, which I performed above expectations, according to my annual reviews, I was the local BI developer, data analyst, ad hoc tech support. At every salary increase cycle, I always had to ask for a salary at the top of the range of the role, which I had on paper, citing the above reasons. The company always fought tooth and nail, and it was always a painful and a bit humiliating experience. Unfortunately, after a few years, they've decided that now that you built these solutions, we don't need you anymore. We only need to hire someone to maintain it. You are fired. According to my contract, this would mean I'm still employed for another 60 days. I made sure to double-check everything, rewrite some of the documentation to be more clear, refactor the code, especially my early kludgy solutions, made backups on my team's OneDrive, fixed as many issues as I could, etc. In short, I tried to make sure that everything goes smoothly when my replacement takes over. By the time my notice period was up, they still couldn't find anyone as they'd been advertising a wonderful free in one package. Yeah, my successor was supposed to do everything I was doing. My last day was at the end of the month, and I pushed out one more update under the watchful eye of my supervisor. As soon as they saw that everything had updated, security came in and my boss said to delete everything from GitHub as it's an external site and a security risk. I tried to explain that it's tied to my corporate email and it would be best to keep it alive and transfer ownership to my successor. They wouldn't budge. They told me to delete it. Okay then, let's nuke it from Orbit. Told them that there's a local copy, duh, on my work laptop. And also on OneDrive, not in my private folder. They said IT will take care of it. Apparently that meant a deep cleanse of my laptop without retaining any of the data. While the she's on maternity leave, woman's laptop was still in a locker after four years. So the only remaining copy was in my former team's shared OneDrive folder. A month passed and my former boss called me asking for help. They still haven't found a replacement, unsurprisingly. Not wanting to burn any bridges and because I'm an exploitable idiot, I told them, sure, I'll help. Toss in a steak dinner voucher for two at a local mid-range restaurant, and I'll help." They were dragging their feet, despite the fact that my ask was significantly lower in value than what the contractor rate would have been. And I knew they could expense it anyway. After a day or two they gave in, I hopped to my bike, signed an NDA, got a laptop and asked a team member to add me to the team's channel so I can start working. Long live Python, dash m pip install dash r requirements dot txt. Or so I thought. As I started to poke around on OneDrive, I couldn't find my backup folder. After a while, I went to ask my former boss where they moved it to, as I couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, we deleted them, didn't seem important. There were only a couple of files though, I'm sure you can redo them. Those couple of files were the results of hundreds of hours of experimentation trying to figure out how the various systems worked together. Just the pandas part was a couple hundred lines of unfucking data and without documentation, there was literally zero chance of recreating it in a short amount of time. Can't you just restore it from that online hub thingy Majig? No, not really, as you specifically asked me to delete it, despite my protest. I left without getting my steak dinner. A few days later, they called me again, asking me how much it would cost to make a brand new dashboard. Apparently some corporate bigwigs overseas were using it for their C-level bullshit PowerPoint meetings. Remember, it included global data and they were pretty pissed that the fancy charts were gone. I may or may not have found a relatively recent local version of the Git repo on my Raspberry, which I may or may not have used to do some of the number crunching as my old shitty corporate laptop could barely handle anything. Yeah, Raspberry Pi i4 8GB outperformed it may or may not have forgotten to mention this obvious security breach and may or may not have billed out my hours as if I was building everything from scratch. Well, guys, thank you very much for being here. That is it for episode 150. I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. Until then, guys, enjoy yourselves, take care,
1: and peace out.